0: DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. The rivalry game is almost upon us. It is time to bring in now Lincoln Kennedy, PAC-12 network analyst and Raider radio analyst. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at SmartRain.net. Lincoln, good morning.
1: Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today?
0: Good. I want to flash back to your playing days. You're at Washington, and obviously got the in-state game with Washington State, but the Oregon game also uh, has turned into a pretty good rivalry. Maybe yeah. maybe it wasn't such a good rivalry when you played. Um, <laughs> but I'm just curious, in these rivalry situations, do you find that it, it hypes it up, it makes the football better, or do you find sometimes there's too much adrenaline for guys at certain positions, and it can wreck a game a little bit?
1: Well, I, you know, it depends on when it's played. Sometimes when it's played this early, it might the adrenaline might wreck a game or put somebody off, but I, but I doubt it because both are very experienced teams, in this case BYU and Utah. And, and the thing is, is that, you know, the rivalries as we were talking last week i think rivalries are essential for college football i mean i really think they really do add a level of spice to it especially in state rivalries and especially from guys or you know people who are who who've grown up there or grown up around the experience because it is personal i remember you know back in my days well usc and ucla were personal to me because i was from southern california but I learned to appreciate and respect the Apple Cup, or you know, the, against the Oregon uh, teams and stuff like that, because that was the Pacific Northwest rivalry. And you know, Don James have made it clear that if you want to if you want to own your region, you have to own the region by beating the teams that are around you. So I think that's what plays into it. But it, it should be for an exciting game because I think both teams have a lot to prove. I know Utah wants to be better or start better than they did last week, uh, and, and I, you know the way they finished uh, it was. Definitely well, but they want to start that way against BYU because BYU can can make some plays.
2: Yeah, Lincoln, I think that's what separates college football from just about any other sport. Is in fact the rivalries, and it's there every year. In the NFL, as you know, you have rivalries, but some of them sometimes come and go depending yeah. on the quality of the teams. There's a few that are out there for sure, yeah. the Bears and the Packers and and whatnot. But the rivalry level it just adds a lot of luster to it. Now, I listened to you call the games. Uh, You had a couple this past week. Uh, Mm -hmm. Pac-12 North, man. What the heck happened?
1: You know, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, it was, it was surprising. Look, I thought I Fresno State was going to give Oregon a game, and they almost, they almost beat them. Uh, they almost upset them. We thought that some of the decision making that that, that Crystal Ball made was going to count against them, but they were able to overcome and win. But yeah, the Pac-12 North is just, uh, it's just uh, Montana, Wazoo. I mean, it, it, Oregon State it just was not, not good.
0: So Stanford's now eight and eleven in the last nineteen games. That's a full season of four and eight, a partial season of four and two, and then getting beat by Kansas State. Is there the, the door's wide open for somebody right now, it seemed like in the North, but the teams that you think could walk through it, Cal blew a fourteen point lead, Stanford got blown off the field. You got any hope for those teams?
1: I do. I, I think we, we again, guys, I think we put a lot on the possibility of teams. "Quote unquote," supposed to you know beat certain teams and certain schools. I don't. I don't think that's the case anymore. I, I think when you talk about FCS and FBS and everything else, I think the gap has been closed. Mainly due to the transfer portal. That you have a lot of super seniors. Heck, we were talking about Utah. I think Utah has seven super seniors. Um, you know, six years plus that are they're on, on the roster. I mean, you just don't normally see that. But you know, when talking with some of the coaches and why that's happened, the transfer portal was one and two guys felt there's unfinished business, and they really want to prove their value before they try to move on to the next level, that is the NFL. So, you know, uh, and I say that to say this, you know, it's, it's hard to go undefeated, uh, and, and it really is, and it's not to say that, you know, Washington shouldn't have beaten Montana, I mean, but these things happen, and I think they're, they're happening more and more these days, just for those reasons I was just talking about.
2: So I don't want to go crazy after just one game, but I look at uh, particularly Washington and Oregon as the favorites Mm -hmm. in the North. And I suppose they still are, if for no other reason that no one has really asserted themselves, uh, the other teams in the North yet for that matter. So as I look at them, I'm wondering, you know, they've got two stud freshman quarterbacks. Are you sold in the quarterbacks that they're playing? Washington and Oregon, the older guys, right now, when they've got who knows, you know, this uh, the Thompson kid at Oregon and then the Howard kid at uh, Washington, come with good credentials, but they're just freshmen.
1: Well, I will say this and my evaluation of watching a Washington Montana game i thought that the quarterback did not have great chemistry or great trust with his offensive line as highly touted as that offensive line was as big as they were they did not do a good job at at keeping the pocket clear there was there was a lot of breakdowns so they did not play well and the trust was not built and i say that because there were a number of times where it was third down and long and the quarterback threw a checkdown route you're not getting a first down if you, don't, if you don't stretch the field, you're not going to get a first down. So I don't think there's a great deal of trust. But with that being said, it is game one. And we're coming off of an unprecedented year where COVID, where you just had so many intangibles where, you know, you didn't play or, you know, they could even go to the Pac-12 championship uh, because they had COVID restrictions and everything else. So there's a lot to be sort of gained in the next couple of weeks. Um, and we'll see what they're truly made of. But to answer your question, I think that if, you know, if you're Coach Lake and you're evaluating where your team should be and where it goes, you have to look at the quarterback position really well because if you're not able to run the ball successful and you're having trouble throwing the ball, it might be a change of quarterback necessary.
0: So UCLA beats LSU. Do you think that says more about LSU and they are going to struggle again? Or says more about UCLA? Chip Kelly's finally got it going after five straight losing seasons.
1: I'm going to choose the latter because I think it bodes well for the Pac-12 as a conference as a whole that UCLA was able to take care of business against LSU. Now, the way things are going to come out this weekend, I'm, I'm hoping that Thibodeau plays for you know Oregon when they go back to Ohio State because they desperately need him. They were, uh, you know, they were, they were. They could not get any pressure on Fresno State generated without him in the in the game. Um, so they definitely need him. Uh, and Washington versus Michigan is going to be a big one. The, the thing is, is that we're in a position, guys, where we're fighting for respect as a conference. And the only way we're going to get respect is to beat teams. Man, it doesn't matter who they are, where they are. The fact is, you see the title headline: UCLA beats LSU. That bodes well for the Pac-12. If they're able to hold their own against the Big Ten, that bodes well for the Pac-12. And then once we get through the season and get to bowl games, if the Pac-12 was able to win, that bodes well for the Pac-12. That's how you gain respect. That's how you look like that, that whole thing with the Big Ten and the ACC, that sort of you know, the, the, the cluster where they're going to manage competition-wise makes it that much more t- uh, tangible and, and looks that much more delicious uh, on paper because now you've got teams that can compete rather than the way it was before. Uh, you know, It just seemed like the Pac-12 was outdone.
2: The biggest thing for me as far as uh, intrigue and interest for Utah as you were calling that game the other night was the running back position because as Mm -hmm. you know as well as anyone they've had great offensive linemen, they've had a great running back, they almost always have a thousand yard back so they ran four guys out there and this Thomas kid was somewhat of a surprise to us but as we were covering training camp in August you kept hearing people talk about him as I would go up there and I got the idea, all right, they keep Talking about. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but if you keep bringing the guy up, there's probably something there. I watched him. I was impressed. Uh, Do you think he's a lead back or do you think he's a thousand yard back?
1: I think he's a lead back. I think they're going to be running back by committee. The fact is that Utah has a number of options, but running between the tackles is where the bread and butter pays, mainly because they have such a, that big offensive line, and they lean on people. And if you watch the progression of that game, as it got later, later in the game, you know there was times where Weber State were just trying to arm tackle guys at the backs like Thompson and other ones, and it wasn't it wasn't happening. And he's just too powerful inside. So I do think that he's a lead back, and I think it's, you know he's got some promising things. They might have, they might very well have if they keep so the way they've done. They might have. Well, at least close to two, that 1,000-yard rushers, rushers. That's how much they're going to run the football this year.
0: You were a, uh, you were an offensive lineman. Uh, how many NFL guys do you think the youths might have there on the O-line?
1: Oh, I know of. T- well, Scott, the, the center definitely is one. Uh, I think he has potential to play in the next level. Maybe two right now.
0: So Nick, Nick Ford for sure, and yeah. then we'll see on the other guys. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
2: NFL is going to get going here, obviously, with the start-up this weekend. How would you handicap your conference there, your division, I should say, the AFC West?
1: Oh, uh, well, I mean, you already know what you have with, with Kansas City. Yes. I think the Chargers are on the rise now that they have their quarterback. They just, you know, The difference, with, to me, the, between the Chargers last year and where, where they finished is that they just mismanaged games from calls and blowing time and timeouts and stuff like that, mismatched games. So I thought there was probably a couple games that were left on the table that they could have probably won if they would have had better management skills. But we'll see how that goes this year. Um, and then, you know, eventually Denver's going to get it right. Denver had a defense last year that just broke down as and when the season progressed and they didn't have a quarterback eventually they're going to find a quarterback that works well with their system they've got receivers they've got potential to strike and then the Raiders are, are there now the biggest question mark for me in the Raiders is that we really don't know what we're going to see because they didn't play in their starters in the preseason not to say that that's you know wherewithal a tell-all but there's a lot of intangibles that are working, uh, are working in the Raiders, not necessarily in their favor. One, you have a new defensive coordinator, and you've got new starters on the defensive side. So we've got to see how all that comes together. More importantly, because the you know, Derek Carr didn't play, and the receivers didn't play, we've got to see how all that comes. I think, I think that this is a team, the Raiders are a team, that has to score at least 28 points a game. And I am just, that was, last year for me, it was like 31 points or 30 points a game. I think it's come down a little bit until I see that defense. So um, I think it's one of the more competitive divisions as a whole. They're going to beat up on each other. There are going to be a lot of splits. Um, you can't, Kansas City is going to come down a notch. I think the rest of the conference is called up with them. Uh, is going to come down a notch uh, a little bit. Not to say that they're not uh, a playoff mount or a championship caliber team, but I think they're going to come off a lot. I do believe in the word Super Bowl hangover uh, because I experienced it. So no matter how good you look on paper, there's still, there, there's still there's some things that you have to do when you go out there. And the extra game, I think, is going to work against them as well. Um, but, but I think it's one of those divisions where everybody's going to beat up on each other, just like the NFC East used to be back in the day.
0: So the Bills have gone from 6 wins to 10 wins to 13 wins. If Kansas City has a Super Bowl hangover, and we know it's hard to go to three straight Super Bowls, lots of teams have tried, few have pulled it off. So are the Bills ready to win the AFC and go to the Super Bowl?
1: That depends on Josh Allen's ability to read the defense. If you go back to that Kansas City playoff game, you know, Steve Spagnuolo, defensive coordinator for Kansas City, confused him. Showed him one thing, played another. There were a couple times where Josh Allen on the check with me system, sitting in the backfield surveying the defense, didn't know what to make of it. So you realize I realized that he was exposed, much like Bill Belichick did Jared Goff when they played each other in the Super Bowl. So. This is the thing where this is going to be a big growing time for Josh Allen. I still think the Bills are good. I still think they're capable, but they've got to find a way to get over that because now that defenses have sort of seen what, his, you know, what the chink in his armor might really be, they're going to try to expose that more. So you're going to see a lot of teams. New England did it successfully, pretty success, consistently last year. A lot of teams show man, play, vote, play zone and vice versa. A lot of teams, uh, you know, show blitz, rush three, drop eight, you know, play bracket type of zones and stuff like that, bracket coverages. You know, and that confused quarterbacks, making them hold on to the football. So I I think it depends on how Josh Allen uh, sees, uh, sees the game right now defensively. And I hadn't watched him enough in preseason to really make a true assessment if he got it yet.
2: What's funny about football is there's all these stats, right? And I don't know that we can necessarily name who, uh, we can tell you maybe who led the league in passing, but we can't recite the yards. But nevertheless, when it comes to quarterbacks, we can recite Super Bowls and playoff wins, how many they have and this and that. And it's, they're judged by that. And where I'm going with this is with the Rams. You know, they make the big trade. They swap the quarterbacks with the Lions, obviously. And they bring in Stafford, who's recognized as a decent quarterback, but has had virtually no success in the postseason. And his record against playoff teams is awful and all this stuff. But yet, here are the Rams, and they're talking Super Bowl. And maybe they're justified in talking that. And I'm wondering about... The quarterback position, particularly as it relates to Stafford, because he doesn't have a lot of what we would consider big time success. But now he's with a team that we think is pretty good. So, what are we expecting here? And if if he flourishes in such a team game, are we really correct in putting so much emphasis on a quarterback's record, almost like he's a pitcher in baseball and he won twenty games? You know what I mean there.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really a complex question to answer. The thing is, is that the NFL prefers you to look at and hold a high esteem when one guy, because it helps control their overhead. That person is usually the quarterback. The quarterback is the image of all the teams. When you say a team name, pretty much most of the people you ask, the quarterback comes to mind. Well. So that's, that's the way they prefer it. So that's, that's why it is that way. But I will say this. I think the Rams, when the Rams got Stafford, I went to Vegas, and I put $1,000 down for them to, to be in the, AFC, the NFC Championship. <laughs> I said, they're going to be in the NFC Championship. I thought that they were a quarterback away. With that defense, of course, at the time they had Cam Akers. They had a running game and stuff like that. But for Matthew Stafford, it's the first time in his career that he's had a complete offense around him. Detroit never did him any favors. I mean, he played with Megatron, he played with all these other pieces, but there was never any consistency. So now he's got all the pieces around him. Yes, the offensive line's a little bit old, but they're still more put together than than what he had in Detroit. And honestly, on the defensive side, that is the game changer. When you have Aaron Donald and and you have guys like Jalen Ramsey, those are game changers, and those are guys that are going to keep things close. Now, the, the the difficulty for the rams is that they're playing in a division that i think the 49ers are a quarterback away, consistent quarterback uh, play away from making a championship run. You know what Seattle has done, they've only won uh, on average 9 games for the past 10 decade. And and then you still have the troublesome cardinals, which i don't think is going to, i still think they're going to finish last in the division, but they can make some noise. With that being said, the NFC is tight. The NFC is packed. Uh, you've got the Bucks. You've got. The, I still think the the uh, the pa- Packers are going to be good. Who knows what the Saints are going to do? I mean, these are teams that have got defenses and got other pieces. So if Stafford goes and he wins, it's just a testament to what some people probably regard as a, um, a Hall of Fame caliber career with the numbers that he put up, uh, but never winning the Super Bowl, never getting close. Um, there is a lot that's putting put on. the the ring status and I think it's fair unfair uh, in many respects Uh, you know guy's just not that good if he won a Super Bowl or didn't win a Super Bowl or didn't win multiple Super Bowls or for the fact that you know this guy did win multiple Super Bowls but like what's all the rest of the team Uh, you know but that like I said that's another conversation for another day all in all I think think the Rams have what they need now the running game is going to be what's lacking because they don't have a proven true back without Cam Akers there I think a lot falls off and they're going to have a lot of making up to do and you you understand that, that their offense is predicated off of play action. So they've got to be able to establish a run to, to do a lot of things. So it's going to be interesting to see how they figure out the running back situation. But I think they're close.
0: All right, Ravens and Raiders Monday night, and we will, uh, we will hear you on the call, Lincoln. Thanks for joining us and enjoy that game, and we'll talk to you again next week.
1: Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Talk
0: to you soon. Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Networks and Raider Radio Analyst every week right here on The Zone. Coming up, Craig Bollerjack at the top of the hour, Pablo Musterani, RSL Interim Head Coach at 930. You're looking forward to that, aren't you, PK? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully he's in the mood to play. Right, he has a pretty good sense of humor. I think he will be. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.